The MX Vice Show. Welcome everybody to episode 158 of the MX Vice Show. We have another action-packed show ready for today as we talk all things moto, supercross, training and everything with former GP star and now trainer King Brian Jorgensen. But before we welcome him, we'd like to thank Parts Europe. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport tagline is fortified through the Thor and Moose house brands and their support of world elite MX riders like Prado, Lagenfelder, Guadagnini, Jonas, Bogus and nine times world champ and Thor ambassador Tony Cairoli. Your parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike, Necken, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycra, Renthal, Recluse, and many, many more in stock and ready to be shipped. Check out their website at partsEurope.eu or contact your local parts Europe dealer with a dealer network of over 10,000 shops. We're sure there is one close to you. Also, a big shout out to Whole Shop Motorhomes for jumping on board. Obviously, Whole Shop Motorhomes is the UK's specialist motorhome dealer for motorsport transport. They specialise in garage motorhomes and race vans that are suitable for a wide variety of sports, such as motocross, enduro, karting, mountain biking, and more. Check out especially the Commander Motorhome that's sure to fit your needs. Check them out online. We also have an article on our website and a video on our YouTube channel. So check out all that Whole Shop Motorhomes is offering. But now on to Brian. How's life, mate? And thanks for joining us. Yeah, life is uh, great. And thanks a lot uh, for having me uh, again. And uh, just, a, just a small update. And uh, yeah, since last time we spoke, which I think was uh, just before Christmas, uh, life has been uh, been great, but very busy with my training school in Spain. Um, I've been very uh, blessed and, and um, um, lucky this year that, uh, you know, all the all the schools have been full and uh, a lot of happy uh, people and customers. And uh, it's been been really, you know, I always get a little bit nervous when I have to do those, you know, specific training school because sometimes you don't know who meet up. But, you know, what? so far I've been so lucky with so many nice people on the school. And, uh, you know, I always try to do the, the best what I can. And uh, so far it's been been going really good, but very busy, you know, Having Christmas at home here in Spain for the for the for the first time, you know, with 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 my kids as well, and my stepkids, and uh, it's been really nice to uh, celebrate that in in our new house here. But then we went off to a little bit of skiing. Uh, I didn't ski personally. I, I did some bicycling instead. Um, so um, no, and then uh, in my new year campus, it's been very busy as well, and. Uh, yeah, just a uh, general, just, you know, I cannot believe that we are, you know, I said that to my girlfriend, I said, I cannot believe we are in, in 24 already. <laughs> you know, I feel like we just uh, kind of got through, you know, beginning of, of 23 and then suddenly it's 24. And, uh, but, you know, hey, I think it's it's great when you have it like that and, you know, you're keeping yourself busy and uh, years are going by and, um and you're just having a good time with it. So uh, thanks a lot. Everything has been uh, been really good. 
Yeah, so it's definitely shaping up as a big 2024, mate. It doesn't seem that long ago we were talking just after the Nations and all the stuff that was going on with Blue Crew. So I guess your plans for this year, that's a lot of Blue Crew stuff as well, the training schools, and you'll probably be at around half the GPs too as well, mate. So it's definitely looking like a full plate already, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I'm actually really busy at this time of year because I'm doing the the school in Red Sand. I'm, I'm about three hours south from, from Red Sand where I live now. And, um, and then I, you know... I'm fully on when I'm up there, but I also have to plan the the, the Blue Crew program and what races I'm going to go to. I also have some some other people, you know, James and Lucy and Bobby and people that I help doing the GP season. So, uh, you know, I'm just planning Italy now. I have another school in Italy in, uh, in, the, um, in the Easter. And then I'm going to do the first race with, uh, with Lucy for the World Championships women uh, down in uh, Sardinia. So that's a place that I'm really looking forward to, to, to actually see that place. And uh, because, um, you know, Antonio have, have speaking, you know, a lot about it. And, and, and I, I like to see a lot of people also go down there for training. So I would like to see this, uh, this the sandy track and, uh, and see how everything is. So, uh, and then it's straight on to, uh, you know, back up to Italy, back to Argo. We're going to be training in the week before Argo. Uh, with the blue crew rider for the one two five that uh, that won the race, and like the, the 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 prize you can say for the JK team. So I'm gonna be working with him and then going to seven eight nine GPs this year as well. So uh, working at the GP doing my training school, I have a guy from India that comes over and stay with me for three months that wants to be riding EMX for the future. So. Uh, yeah, it's uh, gonna be busy, man. And uh, you know, as as I told you, you know, I uh, I also love cycling, and 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 I think a lot of people know that. And uh, I did five thousand kilometers this year from March to to the end of the year, and uh, my goal next year is uh, is six thousand kilometers. So uh, you know, I'm I'm already uh, started. You know, you can say that I when when i when i got this new watch and i start to do more tracking of with my my train school i got that from my girlfriend at the the 17th of march on my my birthday and then i've been using and tracking my training ever since you know and uh, so you can say i'm 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 too a little bit over two a little bit under two months uh, behind so i should be two months in front now because now i start from january but um yeah, I try to get my my training done as well because it's really important for me to uh, to do my training. You know, I love to be in good shape, and uh, you know, with with some of the riders trying to challenge me. And when you go out, like I said, as we spoke last time about when you go out with you know Maxime Renault and uh, Calvin Fernandez, you know, which is incredible fit, then you better have done your homework. You know, <laughs> you cannot you cannot show up uh, unprepared. That's for sure. Then you're gonna. Uh, then you're gonna be far behind. So uh, no, I have so many goals. You know, I think it's important for uh, for for myself as well to you know um, I'm still look uh, you know I'm still competing against myself always. You know everything what I do in life, I try to to do as good as I can and uh, to perform at my highest level. It doesn't matter if it's from training school or cycling or or just even being me. And over for my kids, you know, I try to be the best person of myself all the time. And uh, and it's important for me to set goals. Uh, I have my my goal board here in front of me on, on my little office. And uh, me and my girlfriend make that every year. 
And uh, what we, you know, everything from 24 is like all the investments that we want to do, you know, <laughs> what should uh, what should our goal be for uh, you know for for investment do we need properties you know where are we going to travel to and we put all those things down on a goal board because i think it's all about you know in my world is about visualizing and and manifesting things and then things will happen and you know the goal board that we did already last year we have achieved every single one. So um, I guess that is something that, you know, when you sit and you, you're doing all this, you're thinking, how is that even going to be possible, you know? But uh, I think it starts up here. And uh, when you can visualize it and, and you start manifesting what you want to do, you know, things start coming towards the, the, the plan and the goals that you want to do. So uh, that's why I always have goals of... Uh, of also my physical training, I need to have goals because I still need to chase something, you know, otherwise I, you know, I, I don't have, you know, you can say a racing goal anymore like I had before, but I still want to be in good shape and I, I want to be, you know, I'm just next week, I'm going to receive like a, a new 125 and a 250 from Yamaha. So I really look forward to, uh, to ride the, the new 250 Yamaha and the, uh, and the one two five, I just love because it's just such a fun bike, you know. And it takes me, takes me back from from you can say from my two stroke days, and uh, for the when I started the world championship, when I started all this, you know, being a professional that was on a two stroke. So um, it makes me very happy when I hear this one two five with a short silencer, and uh, you know, you can just hear the bat. <laughs> so um, you know, it's try it's just trying to to having fun with it and, and keep young and, and not trying to to compare myself with the previous uh, Brian Jorgensen, but just, you know, living in the present here now and just uh, enjoy every moment. Yeah, it's really cool insight for sure. And just obviously, you know, this kind of year, races and riders across the world and especially in the MXGP, this sort of series of time, I guess they're preparing for those pre-season races. Obviously in MXGP, the start of March is the opener. So just how important is the pre-season for you, mate? Obviously there's so much work gets done there. You build the base, build the platform, build the mentality like we've discussed. So obviously it's a little bit different for someone like Prado, who's obviously racing Supercross, which we'll touch on later for sure. But yeah, all these guys mm. will be putting the work in and doing their own visualizations. And it's just such a stacked field, isn't it, mate? When you sort of look at the key players, you know, Fevre, Jeremy Seaware, Hurlings, Koldenoff, Fernandez, Valandrin, Renault, even Ferrato can win races. Tim Geyser, Guadagnini, Ben Watson. You go all the way down the list. Paul's Jonas, there's just so many guys. Yago stepping up. Obviously, yeah, it's going to mm. be just crazy getting wins, getting top fives, top tens factory guys are going to be in there every single week so for some of those sort of guys stepping up from mx2 it's a pretty challenging sort of ask especially if they're not on a factory bike or with the greatest of resources so very important time of the year isn't it for all those riders and who are you sort of leaning towards as your early title favorite just before we get cracking um yeah first of all you know just to, to touch the, the supplement of, of winter preparation or the the win the, the preparation before the season you know this is the, the one of the most important thing of obviously you know like this is where you build up the confidence this is where you build up the the time on the bike where it's very intense during the the winter and it's where you can you know you can you can get new steps you know like let's say for example Falandas, you know is he, he stepped on a factory bike for for yamaha this year being teammate with with a very good rider maxime renault as well that you know won his last races you know being a top of the game in motocross of nations so 
obviously he have a very uh, he have a very precise judgment if he have the speed and not have the speed and he have you know what it takes to be a, a podium contender even tight contender for next year so you know winter preparation and having a good teammate of course is uh, it's very important because you kind of always kind of you know see yourself you know against him and how is my speed and how is my stamina and you know i think that's such a good good thing with with uh, with yamaha what they do this year as well that they get the, re- the the riders to work together they have that very much dialed in in the us with star yamaha with you know you can see this year hayden deegan when training you know with with um, with Eli tomac and, uh, and and they train together and i believe that was a good move from from eli because he get you know one of the youngest talents and to see what he's doing and the capabilities and the you know you can see the creativity he have riding the bike and dropping and all those new things you know even if eli is not that old but he's old in the game mm-hmm. and um and i think that was a very good move for him and and you can see that also with the with the gp mxgp team you know they train together um, and I think it's a, it's a very good thing because you learn from each other. You know, don't try to be away from each other. Like, oh, I'm gonna show what I have for the first race. No, train together. You know, learn by each other. Be humble. You know, and you can learn so much watching each other's. You know, even the setup on the bike. You know, there's always so many things you can learn from each other, and I think it's great. I always love to um, you know to have a have a teammate that could actually push me and and to do things and. Uh, then in the weekend, you know, it becomes a normality, you know, what you have during the practice, during the weeks, uh, which is, is maybe even more tough than actually going racing in the weekend. Um, but then you are you're so much in the groove and you are so much used to being challenged all the time and not maybe be the best of the practice track. And that gives you a great mindset for the weekend. Uh, you know, always just compare yourself, you know, you can look, but when it comes race time, you can only compare yourself to yourself and, and, trying to you know to deliver and and bring the best person you know every weekend with with getting the consistency yeah it's going to be fascinating how it plays out and just yeah that work's so important like you said mate and obviously we wanted to talk about the mud race on the weekend in the ama supercross like we were saying just all about survival it was brutal wasn't it mate really interesting and i guess from your point of view what were your keys to success obviously in the mud and have you got any cool personal stories from particular races that sort of you remember well and just your talk on Prado getting that first heat race win. That was so impressive, wasn't it? Getting seventh in the main. It's definitely been a pretty good trip to America so far, hasn't it, for him? Yeah, you know, I uh, I, th- I think the, even the first round was, it, it was this, you know, he he didn't disappoint and he didn't, um, how can you say, really impressed. I think he just did what I expect him to do. And I think but that goes for most people. Uh, because you you don't come over there and you roll over to America and then you do you know you spend a couple of months on the supercross track and he'd been on and off you know quite a few times because he had to go to the FIM awards and, and stuff like that so you need a lot more time to be able to be competitive and you need to be have racing maybe one season then I could start believing maybe for 25 that he could be you know someone that could challenge top three uh, with his talent but for now I think he just done what he you know he he should be able to do and of course with that mother um i had two favorites for that one that would either be you know prado or even ken roxon i think he was uh he's very good in the mud he's been over here in europe he he 
he deal with that kind of stuff, you know, day to day basic and being from from east of Germany, you know, there would be a lot of stuff of that. So uh, that that that's again, that's the foundation, you know, when when we talk about young riders coming over to the Supercross, you know, it's not something that you can just do if you haven't done it since you were very small. But Ken Roxon has been riding in the mud, the ruts, you know, the difficult tracks, the slippery tracks. So it came kind of out to his benefit when it became really muddy, you know. And Hoggo, I think, was just, yeah, was impressive. You know, it is, he's a good starter. And when you get a start in that kind of surface there with, with the mud, yeah, you have a, a lot better chance of winning. And, um, and you know, my own experience, you can say, with, with muddy tracks, uh, it was never really my favorite because, uh, you know, when it's muddy and, and where it's very slippery and, and stuff like that, you you have to depend a lot on your knees. And because I had quite a few injuries on my knees uh, from a very young age, and um, then I really had to uh, be very careful, you know, I almost had to be a step ahead all the time in my mind of what I'm going to do. All the planning of, of the ruts and the, the tree routes or whatever had to be very, uh, very organized, you know. But, uh, you know, racing, uh, you can only organize so many things and be prepared. But um, sometimes you get surprises. And, and for me, like probably my um, the race that stand out the most for me was, was uh, we talked a little bit about before, Namur was 2005 with, with Factory Yamaha and being a teammate from, from Stefan Everts. And uh, I was on Saturday, I was struggling so much, you know, I couldn't find the, the rhythm. Um, it was uh, quite hard pack and it started raining and I was just trying to put a lot of effort into my time practice and uh, and it didn't really pay off, you know, I was looking at time and I'm always, you know, I was always looking from the top and down because I was always a good qualifier. But here was like, I looked from the top and I was like, I thought I made it like a pretty good time. I definitely gave it my all. And then I had to look down on 20th place, you know, and I was like, how is that even possible? I'm doing everything what I can, you know? And um, and that was one of the weekends where you kind of like, you you, you find a new stepping in your, in your mindset, you know, you're thinking, how can I turn this, you know, this race around? Because, you know, I think that was my worst qualifying ever. And, you know, when people ask you how, how, how did it go? And, you know, why could you not make it? You just, I had no answer for it. You know, it was just, uh, I don't know, maybe I cannot ride a motorcycle anymore. You know, <laughs> I don't know. You really start downing your mind. And I definitely, that night between Saturday and Sunday, that, that weekend was, uh, was a very long one. <laughs> there was, uh, there was not much that I actually get to sleep because I was just lying all the time, find, trying to find, you know, um, solutions you know for what i could do do better but you know when you give it your all you just it's very difficult to find out you know what you can do better so the only the only thing i had left was just my mindset and just you know said that you know you never quit and you never give up and you know if you believe in it that's going to happen it will happen so i remember going to the press conference on on saturday evening and uh, i just um, i just said i'm going to take the whole shot and uh, you know people were just looking at me as i was was crazy you know which i even i would probably have been the same if i sit in that position you know but uh, you know went out in the morning practice and and felt quite bad there as well because now it was really muddy it'd been raining all night and that's why i woke up you know with the with the feeling that I was already quite bad when it was a bit muddy, 
And now it's just been raining all night and these tree roots coming out. It was in, in, in Nama, you know, the Namur circuit. And, um, you know, then when you have slippery stuff and you have tree roots sticking out, you know, you start thinking in your mind that, okay, then I'm going to depend more on my knees and, you know, it's going to be more difficult. But, uh, you know what, I, um, from my own experience, you know, I, I, I came down to a conclusion. I just, I locked myself in on the toilet for maybe 30 or 40 minutes before the race. And I was just sitting there looking myself in the mirror and thinking, you know, why do I actually do this sport? You know, why do I put so much pressure on myself? And of course you can ride the motorcycle because otherwise you will not be a factory rider for Yamaha. And you won races already. You finished fourth in the world. And, you know, all the achievements that you have done, it kind of runs through your mind. And um, and you think, you know, now there's only one one way to do it. And it's just to go out and believe that you can take that start. And if you get that start, it's, you know, anything can happen. And I believe that's a little bit the same what we saw in the in the weekend. And, uh, you know, I won the first race by by 20 seconds or 18 seconds or something like that. And I, you know, I finished uh, fourth or fifth in the in the second motor. I made uh, quite a few mistakes, and uh, but still had the whole shot. So I took the whole shot from 20th, 20th place in both races, which for me was like, it was incredible how that even could be possible. And, uh, you know, you're driving home that evening, you think, how in the hell did I actually do this? You know, how did I change that weekend, which was absolute disaster? For, for myself, you know, to be such a positive or finish second that, that weekend and Stefan won um, like he'd done in re- any other races there. Ben Townley was was third, you know. So, um, yeah, it was just incredible. And, uh, and I think it was the, the, the thing that really changed was my mindset, you know. Don't try to chase all the time. Don't try always to, to ride aggressive, you know. Just try to be smooth. Think about the gears. Think about, you know, your feet position your body position, try to stand up and use your technique instead of trying to force to ride fast, you know. So a little bit of the concept I said, less is more. You know, when you when you want to go faster, you're like always like, you, you're always on your back foot. But here I was like organizing things ahead all the time, but I had the, the patience to do it. And I think that was, you know, what we saw in the weekend, of course, like Prado winning his, his first, you know, his first race. You know, he got in the front and he just rode a steady race, but, you know, he put himself in a great position. And that was the same with uh, Chase Sexton, you know, and that incredible start, which was actually quite funny if you analyze the start because you think like that incredible drop that he got. But when he came down to the corner, he was actually not that fine front. Mm. He was just on line with the other people. And I believe that was it Roxon that actually passed him and then he got him back again? I cannot remember how it went. But, yeah, I think he hit a soft it, spot and almost went over the bars, Sexton, and then Roxon stalled the bike. So, yeah, he went through yeah. on him again. So it was a pretty crazy little turn of events there. Yeah, but but uh, definitely, you know, it was about, you know, just the consistency and being patient and, you know, less is more. And just instead of trying to do this jump, maybe it's better to roll and just keep the bike going. And, uh, and uh, I, I believe that's one of the the mindsets that you have to use when it's uh, when it's muddy like this, because if you're trying to force things and try to do, you know, too much or too early, it's uh, you are going to end up in the mud and then you have all the mud on the grips and, you know, you cannot feel the, the, the grips and then the whole thing falls apart, you know, so it's about staying on the bike and, and be consistent. 
Yeah, those starts are obviously so important. And like we were saying mm. before, obviously the mentality is just so different. The approach needs to be altered a little bit, which was what Sexton said. Obviously, it's physically, it's more like handling that bike and being strong because it just gets so heavy with all the mud caked on it. And it's just mm. it's a different beast, isn't it? Because you're not really going that fast, but the concentration just has to be so dialed in all the time. Because like you said, one false move and you certainly punish more than you would be otherwise. So that's just so important. Just navigating it as the line selections and everything just being in a row because yeah it can bite you so badly and you know like so, when it's so muddy like that and the same it was in in Namur you know like sometimes it's not even your own fault you just want to change the line a little bit but you have to hit your spots so perfectly you know the way that you break the way that you accelerate everything have to be in such a good smooth elegant way you know and using the right amount of power to the ground because you know, too much problem, make a lot of wheel spin and it makes the bike go like all, you know, being uh, uncontrollable. So it's really about being, and that's why you heart rate, you know, when you ride those muddy races, even if you have a lot of weight on your helmet, for example, or <clears throat> or your shoulders, or maybe it's difficult to navigate because of your vision or whatever. But uh, I, I remember going through those, you know, 35 minute motos and it was not really that physical, you know, because it's, it's more of about the concentration, actually being able to hit your spots all the time and being, you have to be so precise, you know, because when you come out of the corner, if you're trying to accelerate like too fast, you will hit like the mud part instead of being in the, in the rut where you have traction, you know, so you have to take a lot more time in the corner to, uh, to look ahead all the time and, and make sure you stay in that rut and use your balance because that's where the traction is, you know, as soon as you, you're trying to rush things, you go over them, you know, the over the rod and then you're in the mud and the bike doesn't pull forward, you know? So, um, and, 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 and there was a very interesting thing that, um, that I really think was the, I probably one of the first time I listened to all the, the, the after comment of the race, you know, where you have J6 and, uh, Eli Tomac was there and, and Ruxin, of course. And, uh, I, I think I don't know if you you picked up on this, but I think it was a very funny comment from from um, from Chase Sexton. You know they have been doing all this testing during the Supercross season, and you know obviously he didn't. You know it's a new bike, a new team. You know new suspension, new everything. So there's a lot of adapting. You know of course you need to get one race out of your you know out of the way or under your belt. You can say to actually understand where are we. You know competitiveness with the bike, but also with the rider. And um, and one of the things I picked up on on in this uh, you know interview after the race was actually Chase Sexton. He said uh, we we really hit the spot on what I was missing, and I was like, ah, okay. So all the testing you have done, you know, you haven't hit the 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 right setup. You have done the race. Obviously, you think that the right setup was not there. Then you find it in a week, and now you are saying that you know you hit the right you know the, the right spot to actually progress and feel more comfortable on the bike and i think how is that possible you know when you're going like you know let's say 20 kilometers an hour less you know and you're not really compressing the suspension you know maybe if it's something to do i don't know what the part is that changed you know it could be something with suspension it could be something with the frame whatever it is but it was quite remarkable that they actually find this special setup and then they actually compare it to the heat win or the, the the main event win that had nothing to do with any other 
you know, normal. This may be 1% or 2% of the Supercross series that will be muddy, you know, and then some years you don't have any mud. So uh, a very funny comment there, in, in, uh, in my opinion, that he find the perfect setup on something that he's probably not going to see for the rest of the season because it's hopefully not going to be many muddy races left. But uh, yeah, let's hope that they, that they did find a good setup. I mean, I don't have any particular favorites. I I think there's so many good riders there. Then uh, you know, there, there's at least you know top five. Even Anderson, I think you know he was you know he's ready and and the bike looked really good as well. And and Eli, you know, we know him when he gets going. I would say probably after the. I would I would predict after the fourth round he will be like he will be start going and he he got start going with the with the old Eli Tomac kind of a, a attitude then um, he is when he he get that on a roll he's really dangerous eh? because then he just get more and more confidence and then he can you know Eli as I saw you see him always he can ride like really really good. And then it's like he have another level, you know, where he's on his limit, but he's over the limit, but he keeps it on two wheels and he he can do that all day long. And uh, I think it would take some races before we hit that uh, consistency with uh, with him. And also Cooper Webb, you know, I think he looked pretty good on the back on the Yamaha again. Uh, yeah, they, you know what? There's there's so many riders there that um, that is difficult to predict who's gonna. You know, be the the, the Supercross uh, champion two thousand twenty four. Yeah, it's going to be so good. And obviously, Jet Lawrence to those conditions didn't really favour him. He was yeah. he didn't really you know you couldn't jump anything. He didn't really have a platform to let his bike skill and his technique sort of take the platform for success like it did at A one. But I guess looking back, it's a long time a week in motorsport, isn't it, mate? Go from sort of hero to ninth and. You know, not really. The conditions were just so bad. It was a tough one. And obviously, once you get that terrible start, like we were saying, it's just so difficult to get back through and just to get through a race because, yeah, there's just so many different things thrown at you. But to look back at that, how impressive was that? Obviously, winning his first 450 proper Supercross on debut, absolute masterclass. The kid's an absolute phenom. You know, he's destined for some pretty big things. As he's already seen, he's going to be one of the stars of the sport. But, yeah, I guess it's sort of come back to earth, reset, recalibrate. And then he'll be coming out firing this weekend. But just your thoughts on that A1. It was just so impressive, wasn't it, mate? And he just once again showed the world. He's got it all at his feet, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I think coming off, you know, the, the motocross of Nathan, which I saw with my own eyes, you know, with being, you know, see him from, I remember him watching him on 85 in Denmark uh, many, many years ago on 85 Suzuki. And I thought, okay, him and his brother definitely have, you know, have talent. They were riding, you know, together with Liam Everts. And then I haven't seen him for many years and then see, you know, him on, on, you know, the TV and, and see how good he is. And, and, and mostly what I really like about him is his, his approach to racing and his approach to, to life and approach to the fans, which, you know, seems like a very humble guy and a, a guy that have, you know, his feet solid grounded, you know, and, and with a great family behind him, which also, um, uh, you know, full supportive and and have a good and humble uh, attitude towards you know fans and and racing, and obviously had a good upbringing as well. But uh, no, I think there's 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 not a lot to uh, to say about him other than you know it's 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 incredible. You know, I actually thought that you know 
maybe that mud race. I thought, okay, he can he can lose a lot and and you can gain a lot. And actually, probably thought that he was going to be a little bit more towards his favor because the way that he stand and he's he's um, very good throttle control and the way that he approached the track and the lines. But yeah, I guess you know had only everything to lose in it. Really, you know, like when you're so dominant and at the first races, you know, you want to keep it keep it going and just a little twist or a little bit here, then you're down on the deck and, you know, maybe not even your own um, destiny or your own mistake, you know. Uh, but I think that the first round was unbelievable, the the way he rides the bike and with um, the approach that he has, you know, to, to the racing and, you know, for the lines. And he's, he's just so, so calm and collected. And, and like I said, be before in the previous podcast that uh, when we talked last time like about motocross of nation it was like he, he already see things happening before they're happening you know he's so forward vision you know with his vision that he already kind of predict what's going to happen so he's very good at reading the other riders you know how can you say body language of the way how they lean and do things and and I think that's a talent in itself, you know, like one thing is to race really hard for yourself or to go in the front like Prada does. But actually, another thing is actually to race people and, and to understand what side to be on. And and uh, he definitely have a, a, a talent for that as well. You know, I think he's just an overall like almost incredible athlete, you know, because he, he, he seems to have the. You know, him and his brother, I would say, seem to have the, the whole package in it. You know, they're humble, they're, they're likable, they're, they're fucking, you know, unbelievable motocross riders. You know, they, they can represent themselves in a, in a very, uh, very uh, a good way. And, uh, you know, they're not afraid to to say if, if someone is better than themselves, you know, and, and a little bit kind of keep Ricky Carmichael kind of attitude style, you know, uh, with, with the way of, you know, Ricky always, I, I always said that if, if there's anyone that really impressed me a lot, like being uh, a top athlete, it's probably Ricky Carmichael because he had that approach. You know, he trained really hard. He was very dedicated to what he did and very good at what he did. But he also was very humble, you know. So when someone really beat him, you know, like James Stewart, which was called the fastest man on the planet, but he still held on and said, yeah, but you know who won the championships you know who won the most championships you know and and you can be the fastest man today or tomorrow but you know if you're not there at the end of the game or end of the championship you're not going to win a championship so you know you have to find that right balance but he was also never afraid to actually be humble enough to say yeah you know he he beat me fair and square there was no excuses and and i feel that's the same kind of attitude that both, you know, uh, Hunter and uh, and Jet Lawrence have, you know, they're very humble about they they know they train hard, they know they you know have to be dedicated, and they they know how to win, but also have the feeling of losing, and uh, I think that's a that's a great thing, you know, to have this kind of uh, approach to the sport as well. And I I'm really, you know I, I it's something that I I think about quite a lot. You know, I, I love that Hunter. Lawrence comment, you know, when he got asked, like, how would you, how would you deal with this championship? You know, how would you win the championship? And how do you deal with the pressure about, you know, being in your position? And he said, you know, I, I actually don't feel this pressure, you know, you know, not be able to provide a tweet or have money for food. That, that was pressure, you know, but this, this, 
this is a different thing because this is something that we love, you know? So, uh, and I think that was actually when I thought about it, you know, after I was, was taking some of the long cyclings that I had, so that's actually a very funny and, and very intelligent way of looking at it because how can you feel a lot of pressure with something that you really love, you know? You know, there, there's only a lot of pressure when you, when you cannot pay your bills and when you cannot eat and, you know, there's a lot of things you can maybe not do. That's, that's a lot of pressure, but, but racing and, you know, going for your own goals and training and everything that you have to sacrifice to get there. And, you know, that you can never be taken as pressure because it's something that you love, you know? And then if you love something so much, it can only be positive. Yeah, that's a really good approach and it's a really good point you make there because obviously riders and professional athletes are always looking for ways to remove the burden of pressure. And when you have that mm. mindset coming in, it's obviously massively helpful. You can sort of focus on a lot of things and maybe bring a bit more fun and enjoyment and happiness to what you're doing, which is obviously conducive for getting good results, which obviously here with someone like a Guadagnini and even you look at Jet Lawrence, he's always having a laugh off the track, but once he's on that gate, it's all systems go. So it's a really cool thing to see the way they do it. And obviously their dad, Dazzy obviously keeps them on the straight and narrow, keeps them humble, keeps them working, keeps them motivated. Mm. And it's just a really good recipe for success in that team, the HRC framework. It's sort of a, a dream team for them, but it'll be really interesting to see how it goes moving forward because obviously the other guys probably got a little bit deflated and depressed after that round one thinking, oh, here we go again, like in outdoors, he's just going to run away with it. The rain when the mud was definitely the great equaliser and it probably gives those other guys a massive boost of confidence that, you know, he's beatable and, you know, anyone can have those off nights. So just got to stick in it for 17 rounds because it's such a long season, that Supercross, isn't it? Yeah. No, I mean, he, you know, everyone knows that, okay, he, he maybe didn't get his way here with, with the mud, you know, but everyone knows that it's a little bit of a, even... I always said the best man wins, but even you know with 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 this mud race, especially in Supercross, you know you 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 there's such a small things that have to go wrong before it goes really wrong, you know, and where you can like lose everything, you know. It was funny because the the the, the blue crew uh, have, that helped me uh, selecting the masterclass was Nancy Van de Ven, and um, and she has been you know. She was world champion two years ago, or maybe three years ago now, or two years ago. And she told me that she was two times or five times second in the world. And she lost her championship on the last lap in France. So you can imagine, you know, leading the championship, going into the last lap of the race. And then she fell on that muddy race in France in, that must be in 2021 or 22. She felt, you know, it was maybe 500 meters before she could crown herself a world champion and she fell on that hill and could not get up again. I mean, the devastation that you will have just for, for this, it was just like, it would sit in your body for like, you cannot even imagine the anger, you know, when you've been five times second in the world and then you go and then you're like almost making it, you know, you can see the finish line and then bang down and everything is gone, you know? So, uh, no, but um, that was just a little story. But I think it's definitely interesting that, uh, you know, Jet and, you know, I think definitely the, the competitors will look at him, you know, still pretty scared, I think, because he is, he's a unbelievable. But not only, like I said, with, with his talent, but just the way that he sees things. And, and I guess, you know, that's why I say to people, you'll never, never be scared of failing, never be scared of having hard times in life because... This character 
what the, the the family have, what what Jet and Hunter have been, you know, be going through for their career, coming from Australia, coming over to Europe, you know, got you know rocked at, at some teams. I'm not going to mention names, and and having nothing, and and then all that struggle to how we're going to make it, all that fear of how we're going to move on, how we're going to you know what we're going to do from now on, and then seeing how good and dominating they are now you must be the best feeling in the world you know and and that's why you never should be afraid of challenges and never should be afraid of you know sometimes when you feel failing because it will keep us sharp and it will keep us learning from from all the hard times that we have sometimes because if everything just goes like in a perfect way you know how how we understand losing and how do we understand injuries if we don't get injuries you know then it doesn't make us appreciate when we are healthy and when we can really go forward. You know, that's going to be those variation all the time of, of, of good moments in life and hopefully most good moments, but also there will be bad moments in life that, you know, either with family or racing or whatever. And that makes us appreciate the good moments, you know? So like I said, when, when, uh, when I had, you know, my wins and, and when I won twice entirely, but it was so many emotions that went through my body, you know, like, uh, you know, all the time that you, you feel that you were going to fail. You're never going to achieve what you have set in mind to, uh, to, to, to go for, you know, and, and never going to maybe win a Grand Prix before you stop. And then, you know, suddenly it happens. And, you know, that's why, you know, it, it's difficult even to explain to people what goes through your mind, because it's not only, the the feeling of winning or having the the trophy I actually have the trophy here in front of me uh which we was actually not that big i was i gotta say i was a little bit disappointed uh because you you know all the years <laughs> you have been been watching uh mxtp or, or world championship you see those massive trophies and um and then i was standing on the podium and when this lady came up with the with 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 this thing, I mean the the this says it all because the sense MX uh, Grand Prix of, of Germany MXTP or MX One it was called at that time, you know it it's still shows number one. But uh, I gotta say when I walked down from the podium with this little trophy, I was I was slightly disappointed. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it was um, it was still the meaning behind the. Um, the, the trophy and, and the way to um, to get that trophy, you know, which probably is the most interesting way of of the um, the journey to uh, to winning. And I guess that's the same with 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 Hunter and with with Jet. You know, everything that I go through, taking all that chances with the family, going to to Europe first of all, and then moving on to America, and then being you know so dominated, uh, so quite early in their career is just uh it's just amazing yeah it's a massive motivation to a lot of kids and young riders all over the world and even older riders as well and obviously being through so much adversity and so many tough times it really does make a pretty complete package and yeah they're already so good so young so the sky's kind of the limit for what they can achieve and also wanted to get your thoughts on the topic of obviously you know the supercross series in america they're obviously it's kind of the premier series everyone wants to be there but there's so many internationals shining on the bright stage like on the weekend you see Ferrandis and Prado winning heats and obviously Roxon's been doing it for years 
the Lawrence brothers, we've discussed them at length. Even guys like Shimoda, mm. an elite talent. Vial's moved over. Guillaume Ferez mm. will be on the rock star. Husqvarna coming up in the 250. Sweden's Freddie Noren doing great things. Been at it for years. It's just so many, you know, different avenues for guys to make a career over there. And I guess it's probably the most appealing if you're a motocross rider, you're probably aiming for Supercross at the moment just with the money and the exposure. Obviously, Supercross is such a different beast. It's essentially a different sport, but I guess it's a pretty big concern for the other racing series around the world, and especially MXGP, losing their best talent to the Supercross because that's kind of the mecca of the sport at the moment, isn't it, mate? So I'd love your thoughts on just where you see it all going and how it's going to pan out. Yeah, well, if I know how it's going to plan out, I will... I will... I would make a lot of money, but <laughs> I can only make my uh, my opinions, and uh, and that of course is is my opinions that something need to change drastically uh, in my opinion with the MXGP, and uh, and they need to bring some 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 bigger price money in. We have seen that this year, you know, on Instagram or Facebook or even in on 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 many different social media, you know, like when you're seeing. You know, Hunter uh, or Jed Lawrence standing with a with a million, and then you know you see someone standing with a two thousand euro. You know, it it it, it there's a lot of uh, difference, and I would love to see personally to see the MXTP. You know, um, bringing more more price money, maybe bring a new investor into the sport that can evaluate if evaluate the. Um, Elevate the sport. That's what the word I was looking for. Elevate the sport on a higher level, uh, because I think it's it's not more than it was four years ago or something like where where there was you know also with Villapoto coming over to to the MXGP and you know there was a lot more Americans coming over and thinking they want to have a shot at MXGP, um, and and now it's a little bit the other way around, which I think is. Uh, it's it's a little bit sad. I will I will not. Um, how can I say? It would be a little bit sad to see Prado, uh, you know, going maybe for for twenty five for 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 the US and the Supercross. But I I fully understand him because uh, he's that capable. You know, he has that capability of of riding style that he can actually he can actually do it if if anyone can. And uh, you know, why shouldn't you go over and you know say that you know when you have been a world champion, you know. Maybe we see what happening in this year. You know, you you want to make the 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 another step. You know, and do the supercross and all that attention and and the money there there is in supercross and and even the outdoors, but also the 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 world supercross and you know there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of lines that you can take from here. You know, where if you only makes motocross world championship, you know you're not gonna be good at supercross straight away. But if you can be a good supercross rider and you have those skills, you can make a lot of money. And then you can see Ken Roxon, you know, doing the world super, supercross. You know, he makes a lot of start money. You know, he's he he, he wanted did he, he also wanted last year, you know, two twenty four. Mm-hmm. So he wanted two times now, which I don't even know how much he got paid, but um, he, he definitely don't do it for free. Uh, which you can see, he could have busted his. You know, he's ass off and, and doing world championship and not would only even made a, a, a one fourth of, of that money, you know. So, yeah, I would definitely like to see uh, a big announcement or a big change. Uh, uh, you know, we we all been through a, a, a tough time with, with uh, COVID and, and stuff like that. And, and I think also, you know, 
motor uh, MXGP have been through a very tough time. You know, we're not having the spectators and everything else. But I think that the bottom line is that the need to bring and and help the young riders to be able to do the the the, the world championship. You know, this four or five overseas races. You know, Indonesia and you know, it's it's a lot of money for the team and and you know to bring them across. I remember speaking with with um, with the factory MX2 team, Camille. You know how much money it, it takes for taking two mechanics, you know, four bikes, the staff, everything that's needed on this level to be able to take people. It would it would, it would be most people's budget for the year, you know, and and that's just to do one or two rounds. You know, it's it's that 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 definitely um, in my opinion and obviously it's only it's only mine because of I love the sport and I would love to see MXTP you know making a a step towards the the right direction and uh, take it a little bit back to to where it was you know when when I raced and uh, you know when I started when you had you know you turn up in Italy and you have 110 riders for for qualifying you know like <laughs> two groups with you know with 55 riders in each group even if you had 45 minutes to do one lap you know you were like fucking it was almost impossible you know but but it was also exciting because then you you know the 40 best rider out from those 100 or 110 riders will you know go to the line on sunday and and then you you know you will have start money and uh, and those things as well and and i think that was a uh, that was that was the only way from 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 my way to survive and to be able to try world championship because I, you know, I did it from a private team uh, after I won the European championship. So if I didn't get any start money, I would not even you know have money to go out and and my talent and my my racing career would have finished straight there. You know, at that time. So uh, yeah, I will uh, I will hope and and love to see some more investors back to the MXGP and uh, and evaluate that the elevation of, of the sport and, and bring it to a higher level uh, because we, we have a lot of stack of, of all very good riders in the MX2 class and the MX2 class is going to be very interesting this year but also the MXTP class of course with, with, with Prado and you know a lot of other good riders coming up as well you know moving from the 250 class into the MXTP class so there's going to be a lot of hungry riders there and uh, you know also it's going to be interesting to see with with uh, Jeffrey Hurlings if he's going to be back on his uh, his form uh, I don't see a lot of I don't know if it's maybe a coincidence or not but I don't see a lot of um, how can I say I don't you cannot follow uh, Jeffrey that much uh, he doesn't put a lot of post up I don't know if it's me there's maybe not been so much on social media lately because I've been so busy or is that true? Uh, what What is your opinion on that with, with Jeffrey Hurlings? Does he put a lot up? Because I don't see a lot. So it's like a little bit he's training. Well, he seems to do a lot of the work in the shadows, doesn't he? Sort of, you know, he doesn't give away too much. And he's just, you know, he's just a competitive weapon, isn't he, mate? So, mm. yeah, I sort of haven't heard too much about, you know, just a couple of the Dutch guys we have doing great work with MX Vice, but see a little bit, a few posts in there. And yeah, I haven't really heard too much, to be honest, mate. So you just want to see him fit and healthy, really. It's the main thing with Jeffrey, because he's such an animal and having him on the gates, just so good for the sport. And some really good points mm. in there, like you said, just about the future of MXGP. Obviously, if you lose Prado, that's a guy you could have had for a decade. And Hurlings will probably be going in the next couple of years, same as Fevre. 
Jeremy Sewer's got a little bit longer, but obviously lost Kai Rowley recently. Guys like Paul Arn, you know so well. The Sal's mm. recently gone. So it's sort of a bit of a challenge. They're going to have to navigate, you know, how to manage the stars of the sport and which one they're going to sort of, you know, promote the series around. Because obviously, like we were saying, there's a lot of bright spots. There's a lot of room for excitement. New manufacturers, obviously Ducati, Triumph, Beta, these kind of brands getting involved and there's more factory teams, more factory rides. So it's really a cool opportunity to see how they go with it. And obviously a lot of companies are probably going to want to invest like they have in World Supercross as an avenue there. So I guess they're going to try and, you know, find their space and trying to find the platform where riders really want to race the world championship. And you hear a lot of ex-pros and, you know, even in the last week or so, you hear guys talking on the MX2 class, how that age rule just needs to go at some point. Obviously they have their reasons for it and that's fair enough. But listening to some of the comments on it, like you wouldn't see, Guys in America like Christian Craig, Martin Brothers, even Jordan Smith on the weekend, RJ Hampshire, Nicoletti in the 250 class are doing great things and elevating the racing. And it's just so difficult, obviously, from speaking to some riders that have had careers cut short. And, you know, once you get to that 23, that life's body of work, if you don't race Supercross, it's kind of gone for your world championship hopes if you can't get a 450. So it's a really interesting one to navigate. But would love your thoughts on a few of those things too, mate. Yeah, I mean... It, it's again, it's, it's difficult, um, you know, because it's, you know, for me, I just have my own opinion about it. You know, like I, I see for Danny's point of view, like we have Mikkel Horrock, which is going to be his last year, you know, in the MX2 World Championship this year with Triumphs. And and you can say that, you know, I'm I'm worried for those riders that maybe had a couple of injuries doing, you know, that they, they, they're coming up as, you know, young riders. They, they start to make a name. They start, you know, being a top five rider and then I have maybe an injury and then, you know, you kind of have to start again to get in a good team and maybe you have one year with not so good team and then you get a ride and then, you know, fucking then it's like, then it's finished, you know, that in that class that you have specialized yourself in for so many years since you were 16 or 17. And then you're moving up with, with the Lions, you know, then you're moving up with the big boys, which you're going to start completely all over again. Uh, with with maybe not so good bike and you know and and hopefully make you up but it's going to be more and more difficult to to elevate your your game up because you know when you're riding up and you see you know it's going to be very interesting with with Carmen Falantas this year because you want GPs on a on a on a private you can say semi whatever you call that 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 team of bike but now he's on a full factory bike so now we're going to really see what he's capable of and I'm I'm believing that he's capable of great things. But you know, that's his chance. But you know, with Miguel Horrock, for example, if because he's Danish, you know, if he doesn't make it this year, where is that gonna leave him for the future for the for the MXGP class? You know, because we know that going up to the MXGP class, if you want to be a top contender, it will almost I can say be impossible to be on a stock bike. You know, you need a team with a with a budget. You know, good suspension, good technician, um, because that's what it takes to be. And you know, it's the Formula One of of of, uh, of motocross. So you know, all the technology that's put into the bikes now, electronics, suspension, frame. You know, all those things. If you're not on a on a top team, you're not going to be a top contender. It doesn't matter how good you are. You know, how willing you are to take risk, because you're not going to be there for the season. So this is what I'm worried about. I would have loved to see, in my opinion, that, you know, age rule coming up to, let's say, mini 25. Because if I think myself as a, as a you know, competitor back in my time, you know, I started riding World Championship when I was 19. So I was still, you know, I, I felt I was still like 
a kid, you know, even if I was 19, I probably feel like 16 in newer days, you know. And then I move up to the 450 when I was about what, 25 or 26 or whatever, you know. And and then I was probably mature enough to to go on a, on a bigger bike, you know. But um, the, the, the another thing is that there's some riders that just doesn't, you know, it, it cannot deal with all this power. And, and the bikes have a lot more power now. And you can see when I moved from one to five to a two fifty back in '99 with Factory Suzuki, that was a big step for me. And now you have kids, you know, even the Blue Crew rider that I trained last year, Nikolai Skopia, he rides on the two fifty just for fun. You know, when I move up to a two fifty at that time, it was that was the big bike. You know, it was fucking a lot of power, and you know, and they just throw it around like it's nothing now. You know, and but then to go from there to a four fifty with I don't know how much. I don't even know how much those those factory bikes are producing in horsepower. I asked uh, Calvin a little bit. I said, "What is the biggest difference between your stock bike and a factory bike?" He said, "Suspension, torque, and usable power." You know, because it's it's like the way that I compare. Like you you're riding a RS four. And then you get like a, a RS6 with a V10 Lamborghini engine. You know, it's just so much power everywhere that you, what gear, ever gear you're in, when you hit the throttle, the bike goes. Eh? And that's probably the, the biggest difference with the factory bike compared to stock bike is that you have a lot more spread of power and, and usable power because of suspension, the technician and everything else that you have on the bike, you know, and you have people there to, they know what they're doing. If you have this problem, they will, you know, help you with this. Where more in the private team, they just, you know, you have what you have and then you get the best out of it. And we don't have, you know, more money or more solutions for you, you know. You just have to take more risk to to ride that same speed. So um, so I think that's the biggest change. So in my opinion, <clears throat> you know, it would be beneficial to the sport if you could raise the the age limit to 25 um that would be and then you have the european championship you know emx to 23 or, or 22 or whatever you know then then i would think that okay then we have like a, then we have a system you know so you ride one two five to you 17 or whatever and then you go up to the 250 then you have to your 23 for example and then you can still go into the world championship if you're that good, you're probably going to move into the world championship by 18 or 19 anyway. But if you are not that capability of rider, you still have a future in the EMX to your 23. And then you have to stop there and then, you know, find, you know, going into the world championship uh, for a couple of years and then finally move up, you know. So uh, this is the way that I see it. Uh, and, and again, it's only my point of view. But uh, I think that could really... Uh, help a lot of riders and, and also teams and make the riders succeed not only in 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 the young class but also in in the mxtp class because then you are more mature and it will probably also keep the riders a little bit longer towards you know like i remember when when i wrote i finished at my career when i was about 32 you know and, and stefan was 34 and you know now we see we have seen in the past with Chad Reed, you know, he was probably 36 or 37 when he stopped his career, you know. Um, and and Ricky stopped when he was, was he 28? And mm. Yeah, he was he was very young, you know, but um, he made all those championships. And, 
and training in that level as well really uh, puts a, a stress to the body. Yeah, it's cool that obviously the riders go a lot longer now and it's better for their careers and their futures, but it's really interesting conversation to have and to hear your thoughts on that one. Sort of must be a pretty daunting task for the guys like obviously Rowan van der Moest, like gifting, Borgmo, Jan Panzer, obviously Yago is in a bit of a different situation with that full factory setup, really great environment there and the framework. And he's obviously got the skill and the speed to go and probably slot into the top five, top seven from the off and fight for podiums and all that. But it's just such a hard and a massive step, isn't it? That MX2 to MXGP. It's a huge from everything here, resources, materials, and just mindset Mm. settling in against those guys that have been doing it for the best part of a decade, so seasoned with their fitness and their race craft and just everything. So any other thoughts on just what a massive step it is? Um, no, I mean, I, I think it's going to be, you know, if, if I look at the, the field and an XGP class, I, I can probably not like pick out one that I think is going to be very dominated. There's again, the same with the Supercross. There's going to be a lot of different riders in there. I think we, we haven't heard and seen so much, um, um, you know, all the riders at the full capacity or capabilities in MXGP class. Uh, I think Jago Geertz could be a totally surprise uh, for, for next year. I mean, I can only look from the motocross of nation in, in the US where he haven't really ridden the bike before and he went and, and was super, super fast. Um, I didn't see the same uh, impression this year at motocross nation in Ernie. Uh, but for whatever reason, you know, I, I, I don't know, you know, he has been injured uh, quite a few times. And that's probably why he lost the world championship to, to my opinion, you know, from he was probably the, the, um, the title, you know, favorite, uh, for, for 2024. It was a shame that he never won it because he definitely had the speed and, and, you know, he had everything what it what it took to be a world champion. It was just not his. It was just not his years. You know, it's just not his luck. And uh, it it seems like no matter what he did last year in twenty four, it just seems like either something would come in front of him, or you know, it it was unbelievable. It was like someone didn't want him to be a world champion. You know, and with that with that said, I I believe that it's because something bigger is waiting for him. You know. And that's what I think it, it makes him very hungry to uh, to get a, a job done, you know, either in the MSGP class. And I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest with you, if he go in and he'll be, he'll be up there from the beginning. Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. Obviously, you look at sort of the numbers from some of the MXGP last year and Yago had eight GP wins and Adamo had two. So it sort of just shows that, you know, if he didn't get injured, he would have got it done. But you know, the consistency is the key and Prado and Adamo showed that emphatically last year, like Adamo's average finish was 3.42 and, you know, those numbers from Paul Piercy, they really shine a light on how impressive a lot of those championships were won. It was just purely on consistency a lot of the time and even Adamo's not even in the top three for laps led, like Yago 208, Langenfelder 141 and Kuhn 91. So it's pretty incredible when you look at it, mate. And he won the championship by so many points as well over Yago, you know, over 60 points. So it's just sort of a mm. testament to what you said, isn't it? Yeah. No, it definitely, you know, it's it's such a it's just such a difficult sport and and to hit that consistency of, of becoming a world champion, you know, especially in the era of time of of we are in now, you know, if you want to be competing against uh, Prado or, or even Hurlings uh, some some years ago, 
you know, you you can you can maybe not win a world championship like Adamo did this year, you know. Um, but it only it only shows that the you know the best man always win, and it's not always the fastest man win, but it's actually the guy that can manage to just do enough and stay on two wheels for for all the races. And you can, you cannot have like two broken collarbones or whatever uh, gears had, and then land on another bike and and you can say yeah that was unlucky yeah but if that was normal Jakob Geertz he would have been starting in the front because that Yamaha is a, a fucking power machine and um, and that's you know that's just where your bad luck starts and I said always you know I'm actually I was never so much afraid of the injury that I, that I had it was more coming back that was most difficult part and to mm. find that consistency I did it myself when when in 2004, when I won Teutonstall, and before that, I had operation in my hand, and you know, I I've, I cherish the moment of winning that race. But when I came down from that podium, I, I actually start thinking about the the race in Lirup uh, or Lichtenmorde in, in Holland. So I went straight to to Lommen and I trained, you know, hard all week because I tried to gain back what I've already lost, which is not possible. That is the you know. I would not even call it a rookie mistake, but that's something that I understand now as a coach compared to being a rider. Because when you're living in the present of the moment where you you are there now, you are proven that you can win. The, you know, you don't even think about the win anymore. As soon as you finish that podium and you come down, you just think, how can I win more? Because that's what winners do. They they get obsessed, you know, with all the training they do. They get obsessed with winning. And they get obsessed with the feeling of winning because of the way to get there. It's so tough and it's so hard. And it's so many things that you have to go through as a single person to be, you know, in an individual sport where there's nobody to help you. As soon as that gate drop, you need to make the right decision. And the toughness that you can get is only going to be from yourself and your inner heart, you know, and how much you want it. And that's why it's such a, incredible difficult sport to um to uh, to to feel emotion on balance all the time because you're dealing with so many different emotions of winning and losing and coming back and winning again and being podium and you know it's and it's very tough and uh, it's very difficult so i i believe that you know when things are not happening for whatever reason you can say with with uh Jaco this year and last year it's just it just didn't want to happen, you know. It was like no matter what he did, it just something, you know. Even the front wheel would, you know, fly off the bike. It almost felt like that way, you know. And uh, nobody could explain why did it do that, you know. But uh, that's just sometimes when when things are not fitting together. That's what I said a little bit about life, you know, being positive and and sometimes there's no logical meaning about why this will happen now. But when you look three years in the front or two years in the front, it makes perfectly sense in some way because you learn so much from what happened here that made you even stronger here. And now you are achieving even bigger things that you didn't even know that you could achieve at that point when things was looking black for you. And that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. Just managing that sort of risk and reward and being consistent and getting starts and obviously doing that over, say, a 20 race season, it's no mean feat. And when you look at some of Prado's numbers as well from Paul, he had 11 race one wins. 
obviously average race one finished 2.36 and then he only had three race two wins because he knew what he had to do each weekend he knew he had those qualifying points in the bag and it's crazy he only won two gps didn't he mate and roman won six and siwa won three and he won the championship just like adamo by so much by managing things and getting those starts and you know if you put yourself in an average first lap position of 3.63 that's a lot of the battle done isn't it but but that's that's what very interesting you know like when, when you're becoming that capability of rider you can win championships and and where Prado have put himself in that position you know he was so so good in the beginning he was still good in the end but he managed to understand the the racecraft you know what is what does him why am i in this position why do i have 90 points in the lead do i need to race to my full capacity all the time you know i need to be focused all the time i need to race as hard as i can but with a little bit of of magnet feeling of not taking risk, just 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 doing enough. Imagine if now we put and it's it's not a criticize, but imagine if Jeffrey Hurlings was like that. How many championships he could have won extra, you know? Because he 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 didn't and probably doesn't have that, you know. In my opinion, that he 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 just want to win every time and he you know he he wanna you know if he win by 30 seconds then he want to win like 40 seconds so he's probably different now and and he would probably look back at his career and think why didn't i learn that at that time you know but then he had some other skills you know he was incredible when he need to you know i watched that race in in the in major uh mantova when they came down to the last race with him and, and febra and you know how he can ride fast but then go even impossible more fast you know when he crashed in that first motor and he came back from i don't know 12 and he just motoring through the, the and suddenly he was just on the position of second place you know using how was that even possible where did he make up at this this time and that was the that was the race crash from from jeffrey hurlings when he really needed to perform he would deliver you know but that also makes him very wantable because it's like he can also, one little mistake, he would have incredible high consequences, you know. Sometimes you, you, you go through and other times, like we have seen in the past, it, it didn't go through, you know. So it's, it's very difficult to find that moment. Stefan Evers was the same. He did just, just enough, you know. But his best was winning and his worst was top three or top five, you know. But most of the times it was winning. And, and that's what I think was very impressive with Horgo Pato this year, that he put all that effort in. This is who I am. I want to win the championship. When he set himself in that position, you have 100 points to, to, um, to, to lose. He managed that so well, you know, just doing enough, just doing enough. And people like, yeah, but you should be winning. No, I should just do enough so I keep myself out of trouble. You know, and, and that was amazing because I do remember Antonio Caroli going to Sweden with a 50-point lead and coming home after Sweden with a zero-point lead, mm. you know, because he, you know, it was unlucky as well. Went off the track. The, the track has been quite muddy. He went into a mud port. He couldn't, miraculously, couldn't get the bike out of the mud. And the second race as well, which completely you walk away from that race thinking, how is it possible, you know? And normally that would lead to a lot of frustration. But what did Antonio do? He, he went home. I even know that he was he was out in the evening and he had like a beer and you know he was not even frustrated because he would just go and win the next six rounds. And he knew that, you know. 
when when you're that good, you know this is what I need to do, and then you will just do it, you know. But you also need to understand the backside of that is that I only need to do just enough because I'm in a good position now. And if we can say that uh, to a little bit of criticism to to Jeffrey, you know, that's probably what he was not so good at at managing, you know, because he wanted like the best all the time, you know. But you also have to just sometimes just do enough. But I'm sure that he he knows a lot more now. And I said, you know, for my own sake, I've never been in in, in that position. But um, you know, sometimes you you think. Now it's a lot easier to manage other people than actually being me because I have the same thing with the bicycle. You know, now when I go uphill and see someone, I, I just chase it down. But, you know, I have that uncontrollable kind of management, you know, where I just, I just want to win, you know. But sometimes you have just to accept second is good enough and that can bring you even better things, you know. So, uh, so it, it's a very, it's a very emotional and very difficult state to be into. You know, I never been, you know, in that position to winning a world championship, but I've been in the European championship when it came down with Sebastian Tutelli for, for the for the last race. You know, I had to manage that. You know, and and that was my day and that was my luck. You know, at that time I break so late coming down to that first corner that I thought I'm never gonna turn, <laughs> and then somehow, uh, you know, I had, I had tires and and i had knobs on the tires and it was almost like i had two more knobs on the tires because i had so much grip and but you know then i won the european championship and he became a factory rider so there came something greater for him than winning a european championship you know and i couldn't believe it i was like why didn't i get that factory ride with the end for the for the for the factory you know kawasaki 125 but you know that's just the way life is sometimes and you just yeah. have to suck it up and only compare yourself with, with yourself. Yeah, that's a really cool insight, mate. And a couple more before we let you go. Just wanted to get your take on obviously having someone like Smets in their corner, Adamo and Prado. That probably helps a lot. Someone like yourself that's experienced it, and he can instill that philosophy and thought process on just how to handle situations. So I guess he was a very integral component towards their success as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, and then, and that is one of the things. You know, when when you're working with top riders like, you know, they are, and you know, even. With with me uh, looking a little bit at the from the factory Yamaha guys, you know it, it's yeah you can help towards the the technical part, but let's be honest, when you can win a GP in MX one, uh, you, you can ride a motorcycle, you know. Um, but but it's it's all the other things that have to be managed, you know. And it's not always that the riders are managed to to deal with all those things themselves. Then you need to to have you know almost like a mentor by your side and. And someone that gives you the confidence to say, today, mate, you, you just do enough today. You know, this this is the, the race plan, the, the race craft for the weekend because we are in that position. And next weekend is this your favorite race. And, and that's why we just need to do enough today, you know. And you kind of plan out the, the strategy for, for, the, for the weekend instead of just going completely blindness into the weekend and just, you know, I'm, I need to win, I need to win. Yeah, but maybe there's better things to to come you know where it become more easy for you to win you know it could be calvin you know he he you know i take him as example because that's a little bit what i just could compare now like i would love to see him in you know in riola uh the, the first mxgp or the the second mxgp or the first europe uh, gp and you know on a factory bike 
you know, to see what he's going to do with that. You know, I think it's going to be very interesting. You know, he's in incredible shape. I know that on, on my first hand, uh, <laughs> cycling with him. So I, I know he's he's fit. He's definitely in in a better place than he ever been be. Uh, has been, I believe. Uh, he's in a better place compared to the the, the motorcycle. You know what uh, the factory team can offer him, and uh, the, the the thing also that there's a lot of riders days in a, in a very good position. You know, uh, Maxime Renault is is also in incredible shape. Uh, you know, Prado, you know, incredible as well. But maybe lose a little bit of that racecraft is going to be a little bit of a uh, maybe shock for him to go on the, on the sand track. But he will get the hang of it for sure. Uh, it's just going to be really good, and I'm going to be there uh, watching it uh, on first hand, and I'm, I'm very excited about uh, seeing, you know, how the season is going to play out, and um, just hope that everyone will be healthy, and you know, they we can stay together for 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 the whole season, so you really can see who who was the best rider, not only because he stayed on two wheels, but actually because he had the mindset, he had the the will and determination, and and the cleverness to uh, to be able to run uh, and and be a title contender for the world championship. Yeah, it's such fine margins between success and failure. It would be great to have another one of those seasons like 2021. Guys, uh, Bevra and Hurlings going down to the wire. It would be so cool. So hopefully all the heavy hitters can stay in shape. It's a very exciting proposition for sure. And just before I let you go, mate, any final thoughts, plans for the rest of the week? Anything you'd like to share about your training? And just, yeah, thanks again for taking the time. No, uh, you know, but just uh, like I said, I'm I'm quite busy. I I uh, I have um, some a couple of school left now. I have one that starts on uh, on Sunday, and then I have one in the beginning of February 10th. But if anyone is looking for, because I know I can see now that it's it changed a lot in in weather forecast in the UK, but around Europe, I I know in Denmark is a lot of snow as well. So if anyone wants to come down to uh, to, to Red Sand uh, and training uh, during February, then just hit me up on either Facebook and uh, or even on my website, uh, mx8.dk, or just my normal social media. It's called Brian Yogs and MX School. And then give me a message and uh, I will come back to you as quick as I can. So uh, anyone, it was, it was a pleasure to, uh, to be on again. And I hope uh, people... Um, you know, like I said, when when you come in with your opinions, just my opinion about things, and uh, you know, it could be right for some people and wrong for some other people. But that's a great with having a dialogue on on an open podcast. You know, is uh, people can always come in on things, and uh, and it's great. So uh, thanks a lot for having me on, and uh, look forward to see you uh, a little bit later on. Yeah, mate, it's always a pleasure to chat. And yeah, the listener numbers have been really high on these ones, mate. So the fans clearly like your opinion and just your insight on the racing with all your experience and the training side of things. So, yeah, thanks again, mate. And we'll just thank the sponsors in AS3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross enduro parts, from hardware and protection parts, including skid plates and radiator braces, to performing cooling parts, including silicon radiator hoses and oversized impeller kits. AS3 also have a huge range of brake, clutch and gear levers, all with different features and adjustabilities. Check them out online at www.asreperformance.co.uk. All right, everybody, that's been the MX Vice Show with Brian Jorgensen. Thanks again for taking the time, mate, and all the best, and we look forward to speaking soon. No problem. Thanks a lot.